We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Oregon fans, how are we doing? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. We are coming to you on YouTube. I almost said live. This one's not live. This one's pre-recorded, but it will be on YouTube as well as the podcasting platforms. We are going to be doing our Oregon Keys to Victory against the UCLA Bruins, and I am not by myself on this episode. Joining me for today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast is Ducks Digest writer Josh Parker. Uh, first time appearance on the show. Josh, welcome in, man. Thanks for being here. How you doing? Appreciate you having me on, Max. You know, I'm excited to be on. It's been a long time coming to be on the podcast. You know, I know we've been talking about it for a good bit, but I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get this going. Yeah, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We are, of course, getting uh, closer to number 10 Oregon against number 9 UCLA college game day in Eugene. There's just so much going on, so much hype around this game. But before we get into today's episode, uh, like we said, first time on the show for you. Um, You've been doing some writing for us, but just wanted to give you uh, a chance for the the audience to kind of get to know you a little bit and just tell us a little bit about what you got going on. Yeah, sure. So I'm based out in Florida, actually, which could come as a surprise. But my my Oregon affiliation came from when I used to live on the West Coast in California, in San Diego, growing up out there on the West Coast. It was either, you know, be the USC fan, be the SESU fan, fan base out there. I kind of grew as an Oregon fan out there, developed in that way. Moved over here to Florida, met, met some connections, you know, found my way into um, getting in touch with Max, getting into the Ducks Digest, you know, writing journalism atmosphere. Currently, I'm uh, attending uh, the University of North Florida, where I'll be graduating this winter. And um, yeah, this Duck Digest for me, first time writing, awesome experience. And uh, I'm excited to get this podcast going. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, we are thrilled to have you. It's been a blast, uh, you know, covering this team with you, even from afar on, on the uh, other side of the country. Yes, uh, but but that's what's so cool about technology is that it gives us the chance to, to do things like this, you know, even though we're three hours apart and, uh, you know, you got a lot going on. Um, we both have a lot going on in our respective locations. But uh, let's get right into it. We're going to be starting off with our offensive keys to victory for the Ducks against the UCLA Bruins. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of... Uh, spearheaded the prep for this josh so i'll I'll let you enter the point and we'll just kind of get some good discussion going 
Yeah, for sure. So for these uh, keys for to the UCLA game, I chose to talk about three keys on offense, three keys on defense. And the first one we'll talk about is on offense. And the first topic that we're going to talk about is continue to be an explosive offense. You know, it's been a while since personally I've seen this Oregon team have an explosive offense from previous years. You know, we had the base pistol offense run first kind of offense, but now we have, you know, Kenny Dillingham. He wanted to spread out the offense. We got backs lined up. We got four deep backs running it up. And then we got, you know, the Troy Franklin finally getting the touches he needs, all the other receivers getting touches he needs. And then we had Bo Nix transferring on um, from Auburn. And, you know, having him with this Oregon experience, oh, excuse me, experience Oregon offensive line, I think this is what he was missing at Auburn. He was experiencing, I think the average sack rate he had in the three years he was at Auburn was a 16 a season. And to be six games with Oregon and only have one sack, I think that's impressive. Yeah, he, he it's it's no secret that his offensive line was was not where it needed to be when he was playing at Auburn. Um, he had an interesting journey starting as a true freshman. First game as a college player was a win against Oregon in Jerry's world. Uh, so no need to bring that up. We don't have to talk too much about that for um, for, uh, you know, Duck fans. We don't need to hype on that too much. But. I think, yeah, you make a good point. It's important to be an explosive offense. And I feel like to a degree, it almost feels like he was kind of the missing piece in this offense, like not just him, but I've kind of been of the belief that Oregon was a little bit, you know, a, a quarterback away uh, because they had solid wideouts last year. They had a great run game, um, but, you know, there were some games where it came down to it and, and Anthony Brown just didn't necessarily get it done. And it's really hard to be too critical of Anthony Brown because we know how Mario – uh, Mario Cristobal just really likes to run the ball, how Joe Moorhead didn't really have the freedom as a play caller that he should have had. So there were some other limitations in place. But with Bo Nix leading this offense, it's been super explosive. We're seeing chunk pass plays. Uh, we're seeing uh, a downfield passing attack, which is great. Uh, so I think Oregon's offense is operating at a really high clip, and uh, and it looks like they're going to have to uh, you know keep going in order to be a really talented UCLA defense. And uh, you have some other kind of things uh, along these lines of kind of what you want to see to, to keep that offense being explosive. Yeah. And with that, the explosive play specifically, I noticed, for example, when Oregon played BYU, you know, the Bo Nix rolled out a little bit, you know, got his feet set and just dumped it down to Troy Franklin for a 50 yard gain. I think that that play, well, I mean, there was plays prior to that, but I think that play specifically is what carried Oregon's momentum from that game on. And another example would probably be the, uh, you know, Chase Cota scoring the last second of the first quarter. You know, that first quarter against Stanford was very dry, I would say. It was very, we were got in the end zone, Oregon got in the end zone about, I think, two, three times and couldn't capitalize. And then that play just kind of set the, you know, the tone there. We won 44 to 27, I would say, something like that. But yeah, it, I think having those explosive plays is really going to set the tone for this offense because, if you have a, a mellow offense that's just getting through through like the game, then I think that explosive plays is going to help Oregon win. Yeah, I, I love that play from Chase Cota against Stanford. It's been fun to see Oregon go tempo at times this year. Not something we saw too frequently last year. That was literally the last play of the first quarter. Uh, Stanford was kind of just ready to get off the field and you know get a breather, and and Oregon said no, no, one more play, and then next thing we know, Chase Cota is sprinting to the end zone. Um, 
And then I expect Oregon to, to really continue to pound the rock. I mean, the, the bread and butter has been the run for them this year, or the run has been their bread and butter rather um, just putting up some insane numbers. Um, I, I was on a podcast earlier today and uh, referenced this number, but it's worth mentioning it again. Uh, Oregon leads the Pac-12 and is fourth in the entire FBS with 6.22 yards per carry. Bo Nix is at 8.28, and Bucky Irving is at 7.15, which rank first and second in the Pac-12 respectively. So not only does Oregon have a quarterback who can really make some big plays and push the ball down the field, the, the way he's utilized his legs has been remarkable. And a lot of these, you know, touchdowns that he's gotten on the ground earlier on in the season have been, you know, kind of short distance, you know, some keepers. But um, I think he was the leading rusher in that Stanford game, just running wild. I think he had that 75, 80 yard touchdown. So uh, that's been one of the big differences from, you know, way earlier on in the season is that we see Bo a lot more involved running the ball against Georgia. We hardly saw him run the ball at all, but hard to take too much from that game. So Oregon's Oregon's uh, if they can run the ball well, then I think that'll really open things up for some explosive plays and they've proven they can get explosive plays on the ground and through the air. Yeah. You, you know, you, you touched base perfectly on that. When Bo Nix was, you know, running like crazy against Stanford, I was like, I wasn't surprised because I knew that he was bound to explode with his running ability. I know he got that 35, I think it was 35 yards. And then the, they're talking about that was his career high, I believe they said. And I was shocked about that, just, you know, how like athletic he is as a quarterback, just to roll out the pocket and, you know, get some yards. And then, of course, like you said, the 80-yard uh, touchdown that he ran, that was uh, more impressive. But, yeah, you know, Bo Nix, I'm, I'm really impressed with what he's doing for the Ducks. I think he, as not just as a player, but as a leader, I think he's leading this team in the right direction, you know, from his, uh, his past at Auburn, you know, just the, that leadership aspect, I think that's, like I said, helping the, the team. Yeah, and he's looked like he's looked the part. He's looked like a veteran SEC quarterback who has experience playing against some of the best defenses in football. Uh, why? Because he's carving through, shredding, you know, insert whatever fun action verb you want there. He's just stepping up to the plate against these defenses in the Pac-12. Um, and I think another part of, of this explosive offense that we're going to be looking for from Oregon uh, is, is how they operate in the red zone. Because it's it's been a little bit inconsistent at times for Oregon in the red zone, which is where you really want to capitalize, obviously. Uh, sometimes they don't even get into the red zone because the play is just such a big play. You're, you know, by the time you're in the red zone, you're scoring uh, effectively or essentially. Um, so I think that, uh, that that has been one of the few knocks on the Oregon offense this year is, is the red zone efficiency, especially in that Wazoo game kind of gave fans a little bit of a scare when, when the offense sputtered a little bit uh, down there in the, the red zone. And um, and then a little bit on third down, too. I remember that Dan Lanning talked about the importance of third down on both sides of the ball, how they're looking to improve there. So making the most out of those opportunities is, is definitely going to be key for them if they want to keep operating at this high clip. Yeah, the red zone for sure, because watching that Washington State game, I, Washington State game, I believe they got in the red zone, was it three times? And they, they just kicked field goals. So that would have put Oregon up. I believe it was a 21 to seven, give or take. You never know what's going to happen. But that itself is a whole game changer. You know, like you go from kicking field goals to scoring touchdowns. You know, you're, you're the team that's like you're on the road. You're the team that's scoring first. You're the team that's driving it down your throat. You want to be that that, you know, I'm here to play kind of team. Yeah. And, and how do you drive the ball down your opponent's throat? You get a strong run game. And uh, that leads us into one of our next 
points next uh, keys to victory. And that is that Oregon needs a strong game from its offensive line. And uh, really, we don't have any reason to think that that won't be the case because Oregon's offensive line is certainly the tops in the Pac-12. But I mean, they're they're certainly in the discussion for, uh, you know, top five offensive lines in the country. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what the post was, but I want to say um, I want to say that they landed on the Joe Moore. Here we go. I'm on their Twitter page now. The Joe Moore Award midseason honor roll, which, as we all know, recognizes the top offensive line in college football. Yeah, and they're looking the part. I mean, Bo Nix got sacked for the first time against Stanford. That's that says a lot, you know. You, as like I said, he got sacked or average of 16 times at Auburn. I think that the way this offensive line is playing is helping him. It's benefiting him. He's playing at the level that I think that he should have been playing at, at Auburn at a, at a point. I think that he was limited at Auburn with give or take what, what kind of lineman he had down there. And it is SEC football, of course. But, you know, coming to UCLA, this UCLA week, I know that they have a strong defensive front. So having a strong offensive front for us is beneficial to uh, stopping the Bruins. Yeah. So are you talking about on, on defense to stop the Bruins? No, sorry. Like we pound through the, the Bruins defense because the defense has the front, the strong front. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I see yeah. what you mean. Uh, just wanted to clarify. Yeah. yeah. You know, yes, you're good. And Oregon and UCLA, it's worth mentioning, they have the top two run defenses in the country. And it's only separate, or not in the country, sorry, in the Pac 12. And it's only separated by a yard. I think Oregon's at 98 and UCLA's at 99, something like that. So super small, uh, you know, difference there. Um, but you got to make sure that you're opening those running lanes, uh, that you're you're playing disciplined football, um, and that you're keeping Bo Nix upright because when he stays upright, then that goes a long way. And, uh, you know, just how, helping your offense operate more effectively and uh, ultimately move the ball down the field. Yeah, that's, that's it right there. I mean, you know, you want to have a strong offensive game, but I know both of these teams are offensive powerhouses, I would say. You know, you got Chip Kelly's offense over at UCLA. You know, all Oregon fans know about that. Then you have a quarterback like DTR. Then you have um, who I think Oregon is going to face is the uh, their best back with uh, uh, Zach. I think that, you know, Oregon has a lot to – prepare for for this game but i think that they'll, they'll be ready yeah and another area that the offensive line can can have an impact here is uh the, the tempo the pace and just playing a clean game because in that stanford game i, I can't remember it was i want to say it was the stanford game that they had all the penalties because yeah. i think it was like 12 or 14 for 135 that was a game that was at home and you can't help but question josh if oregon's playing a quality team in that same situation and you're at home and you're still getting all these sloppy penalties that, that can kill a drive that can kill momentum that can suck the air out of the stadium. And, uh, but they can't afford slip ups like that against this UCLA team, which has proven to be the real deal. Yeah, they can. I covered it in a couple of stories, uh, this past week, but you know, like what you said, like if once a penalty happens in offense, you have a long drive, you pull a penalty, long drive, pulling penalty. It just, it doesn't, it draws you back, but it also mentally it messes with you. And down the road, the team could use that at, to their advantage. You know, you know, they just keep stacking up. Then it's just going to be beneficial to them rather than Oregon. Absolutely. And uh, we know that UCLA knows how to get after the quarterback with 15 sacks on the year so far. 
Uh, we have one more key that we wanted to get into uh, for the offensive keys to the game. And uh, you said that it's opening it up through the air, you know, pushing the ball down the field. Um, just, just give us a little bit more on that. Yeah, you know, Oregon's the number one rushing team in the Pac-12 with, you know, the stats and everything. But I like to see – I would like to see them open it up through the air. I think that Bo Nix is confident enough to get it to Troy Franklin, you know, Ferguson, all them guys out there. I think because this is such an elite quarterback battle with Bo Nix and DTR, I think that besides running, passing would be Oregon's best bet because Bo Nix is comfortable, receivers are comfortable. They showed that they could play, and I think that this UCLA team, I think they're ranked eighth passing-wise on defense. So I think that they, Oregon has opportunities to make plays there. Yeah, and, and the passing game to a degree, it kind of starts with Troy Franklin just seeing that he's emerged as that number one wideout for the Ducks. But I'd like to see a little bit more from the tight ends, not not to say that they haven't been playing well. They just haven't been super involved in the passing game lately. We know against that in that Arizona game, I think every one of their touchdowns was on the ground. So you can't expect them to be super involved in the passing game when you're putting up numbers like that. But Bo Nix did throw for what I believe 250, 265 yards. So it's not like they were not throwing the ball at all. Uh, but, you know, I would fully expect UCLA to, you know, try to clamp up Troy Franklin, you know, beat him. He's the number one guy they have to kind of concern themselves with in the passing game. And that opens the door for other guys to get involved, right? Chris Hudson, Chase Coda, Seven McGee, uh, guys like that. Um, and, and Chris Hudson had, he almost had a super long diving touchdown catch against Arizona, but that was just a yep. couple yards short, um, but still an awesome play. So I think that if they're able to pat, obviously we talked about establishing the run that'll open up the pass game. Um, I mean, maybe they could have a field day just, just throwing the ball. And I think that everyone in the country knows that Oregon can run, but like, what if they put on just an absolute clinic passing the ball uh, against UCLA? I think that would be awesome. That would be a huge testament to the uh, offensive line because like we've talked about on the show, UCLA's defensive front has some big dudes. Um, so that's not going to be an easy task for them. And then I think people just expect Oregon to do well on the ground. That's why this year has been so fun to watch offensively because they've just been putting on a show through the air. So, um, you know, you also have Jalen Davies, the former Oregon DB, who's out at UCLA now. So you have maybe a little bit of, a, you know, there's some roster crossover. Jalen Jeffers is there too, but I don't think he's playing. He's a former Oregon O-line that's at UCLA now. Uh, and then Chase Cota obviously coming over from UCLA. So there's no shortage of storylines there, but suffice it to say, it's just going to be fun to see Oregon sling the rock. Yeah, it is. I was looking at the the stats. I think Oregon has five receivers that's above 100 yards receiving, and UCLA has nine, I believe. So that's to say, you know, UCLA is going to throw the ball, obviously. But I would, like I said, love love to see Oregon throw the ball because I think that their playmakers are out there. I mean, we've said that for the past what three years that they've just had them on the roster and you know waiting for that time, and then this year's that time come. In the future, you never know what's going to happen. You know, I think that mixing it up, play calling, run, pass, whatever it is, I think that uh, Coach Dillingham knows what he's doing. And um, this is the most fun that I've personally seen Oregon's offense be. Yeah, just to just to give a, a final remark on the offense, and then we'll switch over to defense, Josh. I don't think that this Oregon offense could have performed any better in terms of compared to the expectations. Like I did not expect the Oregon offense to be this good. Um, you know, it kind of just makes you think they just needed to get someone new in there that was willing to, you know, 
uh, be hands off on, on offense. Um, and then especially with Kenny Dillingham, not to say he didn't have an impressive resume, but because he was so young, people were just kind of naturally skeptical of him. And I mean, he's done nothing but prove the doubters wrong this year. Um, gets guys involved. You have a, a bunch of different backs that are involved. A lot of tight ends are involved. Uh, you're getting some young offensive linemen in there like Josh Connerly, who's burned his red shirt. Um, so it's just been super fun to watch. And, and maybe uh, we'll see a little bit more of Kyler Casper as well. He's a wideout who's seen some more snaps. Uh, Caleb Chapman looks like he's he's kind of back to full speed. Um, so I'm going to be curious to see how the, the wide receiver rotation kind of shakes out. But just overall, really, really pleased with uh, uh, with what Kenny Dillingham has done so far since he's been at Oregon this season. Yeah, like one last thing is, like you said, they were rotating all those players, you know, recruits that are watching Oregon, you know, young players play. They're they're making plays. But to transfer over to, you know, the defensive side, I think that we're, – we're, we're actually – sorry, I just didn't want to cut you off because we're going to take yeah. a quick break before we get to defense. Um, so just hold that thought real quick, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Ducks Dish podcast, and then we will be back talking about the Oregon defensive keys to victory against the Bruins. Don't go anywhere. we got more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's my guy, Josh Parker. We are rolling out our Oregon keys to victory against the UCLA Bruins. Big day, game day, college game day. Going to be in town in Eugene for this one. Um, Had to cut Josh off so rudely before the break, Uh, but let's go ahead and dive into some defensive keys here, Josh. Yeah, I think, like I was saying uh, before the break, I think that everyone who watches Oregon knows that Oregon is struggling uh, defending the pass. They're last in the Pac-12 when it comes to, you know, defending the pass. They average about 275 yards per game, which is not the best look for an Oregon defense. And I know that coming into UCLA, that's going to be a problem because, you know, like we were just discussing how exciting this UCLA offense is, it's going to be something that this defense needs to figure out early on and, you know, just – 
it needs to <laughs> need some work. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's a good way to put it. And I, I think for me, I was pretty openly not critical necessarily, but cautious or concerned about Oregon secondary all throughout the off season. Like we were getting questions saying, you know, Hey Max, if you could get one more person from the portal, what position would they be? And I was very, very passionate about saying cornerback. Um, I mean, look at what would have happened. Can you imagine what the secondary would look like if they didn't get Christian Gonzalez out of the portal? I don't even want to start to think about that because it would be a totally different story. Um, as I uh, get a call from Cal uh, on my credential, <laughs> hopefully I can call them back later. Um, but back to this, um, got to zone in. Um, but yeah, so it just I was just going to say that if Christian, Christian Gonzalez is the kind of the heart and soul really of the secondary, which is interesting because Bennett Williams is, you know, the returning vet, probably the best open field tackler on the team. Um, but uh but Oregon secondary has started to show some signs of improvement without a doubt. Dante Manning was probably having his best game of the year before he got ejected for that targeting call against Arizona. And I think Jaleel Florence definitely deserves some props. Uh, Dan Lanning talking about how he gets a little handsy too much at times, but uh, you know, he's a true freshman and he's just going through some growing pains. So um, I think that I'm feeling more confident, but at, at the same time, you know, we both know that that's kind of where the weakness is on this defense right now. Yeah. You know, Florence is, that watching that game, I was like, he's going to be a good corner once he's developed. You know, he is a true freshman. He's going to have those mistakes early on. But that's what's important is that he's getting these reps out of the way for, so he can get comfortable. And Manning's, uh, you know, targeting, that's questionable. That questionable call could go either way based on who you're asking. But I think that Christian Gonzalez has been the sole leader of the secondary. He has proven that he's legit. He, when he came to campus, you know, watch him in spring game a little bit. He has just been lights out the whole time. And, you know, I think that with that, they have to find their identity like early on if they want to have any chance of stopping the pass game for the Bruins. And the Bruins have some really solid pieces uh, on that receiving core, uh, just that they can hurt you with through the air. Um, I think one of them that obviously stands out is Jake Bobo, um, the Duke transfer. He, he's wasted no time just really helping that offense. Uh, I want to say he's the leader in receptions, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Let me look on uh, let me look on UCLA's website right now. He is oh he's not. Never mind. It's a uh, Kaz Allen is the uh, leading receiver with 28 catches, but Bobo is not far behind. 24 catches. He is by far and away the touchdown receptions leader with five and 385 receiving yards, averaging 16 yards per catch. So he's also a deep threat kind of a guy. Um, and then we also talked about Logan. We can talk about Logan Loya, who was a former Oregon recruit uh, during his time in high school. Michael Ezeke was a former Oregon commit, depending on you guys know how I like to talk about recruiting. You know, there's always overlap with some of these Pac-12 schools uh, when you see these guys, you know, come back up on your radar. So Oregon's definitely got to slow down the pass because uh, if you give DTR time in the pocket, he will pick you apart. So uh, that's got to be a huge key for them is uh, defending the pass and kind of limiting the damage there. Yeah, and with that, you got to limit the explosive plays, which is our next topic. I think that limiting DTR to his explosive plays, because you know he's not just the pocket-passing quarterback that we all is not true. We all know that's not true. He likes to get out of the pocket. He runs a little bit RPO, runs a little bit of read option, because, you know, the man Chip Kelly is there. So limiting him will be the number one key for this Oregon defense, you know, they got playmakers everywhere, but he's the, the general of the offense. So 
Yeah, so you you got to slow DTR down, and ex- the explosive plays are even more critical in a game that could be a potential shootout is kind of what people are billing it as, which I kind of don't like saying because it seems so cliche. But with two really high-powered offenses, you can't kind of help but get played into that uh, storyline just a little bit. Um, but we know another thing about UCLA. They like to run the ball a lot with, with, with Zach Charbonnet being the leading rusher for them. Just a phenomenal back uh, overall, leading the way with 615 rushing yards on the season. And then number two is Dorian Thompson-Robinson with 231 rushing yards and four touchdowns on the ground himself. Uh, so that backfield is dangerous, man. And the nice thing for Oregon is that they excel at stopping the run. Uh, that's definitely been the um, biggest uh, bright spot for Oregon on defense so far, I think. Um, let's see what else here. Here's an interesting stat just that I'm coming through some of the notes here right now. Uh, Oregon held Arizona to 115 rushing yards the last time that they played. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, but the bigger note, Oregon has yet to allow 150 rushing yards a game this season. Keep in mind that they played Georgia to start the year, but you could also just say they were getting shredded through the air. So I'm not sure how much you want to take from that stat. Um, But suffice it to say, Oregon does a really good job defending the run. And if they can take that away from Chip Kelly, we know how much he likes to run from his time at Oregon. Uh, I think that that could kind of make it so that this uh, UCLA offense is in for a bit of a long day. Um, if they're able to take away, you know, what, what has been so strong for them. And if they kind of make them a little bit one dimensional, maybe that'll uh, be another way they can kind of slow them down. Yeah. The cool thing about like what you were just talking about, how, you know, uh, DTR and uh, Zach have like, they are quarterback one, running back one, and their rushing yards are top, top three, Bo Nix and Bucky and Noah top three, you know, rushing quarterback, High-powered running backs. It's going to be an exciting game to watch between these two teams because, you know, they got those explosive players in the backfield and then, you know, the explosive players out there in the receiving core. Yeah, and, and maybe we, we talked about kind of, you know, free-balling a little bit uh, here, leaving some breathing room for some more added commentary here with the defensive keys for Oregon. So we all know that Dorian Thompson-Robinson is uh, a, a dual-threat quarterback, right? So not only do you need to try to keep him in the pocket, but for me – I think you got to get some hits on this guy early. Try to rattle him as much as you can. You know, not don't do anything dirty, obviously. Um, but you know, he's a, he's a. I think this is a fifth year for him at UCLA, so he's not going to be a guy that you can rattle necessarily super easily. But if you get some hits on him, and you're just like, hey, I'm here, man. Like I'm coming after you all day, um, and you know, I'm not going to make it easy for you. I think that that'll be good, and that's kind of a way that I think Oregon's pass rush can really have an impact on this game. Obviously, you want to get sacks, bring the quarterback down in the backfield, uh, you know, make the most of those opportunities. When you can get a sack, get a sack. But if you can't still get some, you know, kickbacks and pushback and uh, get some hits on DTR and, and make it a long day for him. So limiting the impact that he can have, you know, don't give him a lot of extra. Don't get juked out of your socks like you dubbed it at the goal line. That was not a good look, but, you know, he'll do it to you. He, he is an absolute freak and he's a playmaker that uh, can make you look like a fool. So, I think slowing him down is absolutely going to be big and, and trying to get some some hits on him to, you know, set the tone early as a defense. Yeah, and that also stops their momentum. You know, you know, Chip Kelly's offense is one to they get an explosive play. They're just going to – they're already three plays ahead of thinking about what they're going to run. You know, you want to stop that early on just so that UCLA doesn't get their rhythm going because if they start getting the rhythm on Oregon's defense, whether it be passing or 
rushing for some reason, then that could be a problem throughout the game. You want to be solid on defense. You want to stop the run, stop the quarterback, and, you know, stop Chip Kelly's offense. Absolutely. And I think another another key that is a little bit broad, we can go a little bit more specific. I talked about it on a different podcast today, is um, third down defense. Get the heck off the field. Uh, you do not want to give UCLA extra plays. You don't want to give them extra drives, uh, which goes to, I think, another offensive key that we could have touched on is just you know taking care of the ball, uh, which has been a strength. But looking at the stats for Oregon so far this year, Oregon's opponents are 42 for 83 on third down, which is just a hair over 50%. So that's definitely not where, uh, you know, not where Oregon wants to be. You don't want to be a coin flip away from a first down. Um, so getting off the field is going to be really big, uh, especially since UCLA likes to run the ball as much as they do. And they're a really physical team. Uh, I think that you just don't want as many long sustained drives going against you, kind of wearing you down. Um, I think that that can make it a long day for Oregon's defense. So that's been a key for, you know, an area for, for growth and a room for improvement these past two seasons, really. And, um, I think given the coaching that they have, the talent that they have on the defense, um, there, there's no reason that they shouldn't be operating at a better clip, especially on third down. Yeah, and I think uh, Coach Lanning touched on it today with when he uh, met with the media. He was uh, stating that UCLA, when they are on third down, they are about a third and medium kind of team. They aren't like one to be third and long. It's because, you know, they have those explosive plays. You know, they get up there, they get up quick. So, that can make it difficult for Oregon too. You know, it's different when it's third and 15 compared to third and five. That's going to be who wants to win this game kind of football. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. So, you know, you got to put the pressure on and first down and put them in difficult spots from, from there on out. Um, Oregon's defense. I, I think it's, it's definitely one of the better units in the PAC 12. I'd say upper, upper half. Uh, if you want to just try to, you know, slice it down the line. Um, but uh, I think, for Oregon, the good thing for them coming out of the bye week, and maybe we can just talk about this a little bit broadly, is they know where they need to improve on. And that's one mark that I think that the coaching staff has really excelled at in their first year with the Ducks is they've done a good job of identifying where they need to clean things up, where they need to get better. And it seems like we're seeing that improvement in some way uh, from a week-to-week basis. So obviously it's still a work in progress. Um, you know, you're, you have some youth a little bit at, at times in some areas, um, but, you know, they're, they're making the most of what they have. Yeah, it's it's really awesome to see how well this Oregon team is developing, like you said, with the coaching. You know, you go from um, Oregon having trouble with Washington State in the passing, and then next week passing isn't that much of a problem. I mean, they still, of course, got some yardage out, but it's nowhere near how Washington State passed all over Oregon. And it's from a week-to-week basis, and with this bye week, I think that having that extra week is definitely going to help them figure out, hey, UCLA is doing this. We could go back a couple of weeks ago and say so-and-so team did this as well. What can we improve on? What can we develop from here? And what, you know, what can we use against UCLA to beat them? Absolutely. Well, we, we've gotten into a lot of really good stuff here, Josh. Uh, and any kind of final remarks, offense or defense, as far as, you know, keys to the game as, uh, as we kind of wind down here on this episode? I think we said it all. I mean, I think that this game is going to come down. I know we were, you posted the score predictions. I said in mind that I believe that this game is going to be a close one. I think that both teams are talented enough to either one can come out as a victor, but I do believe that Oregon 
being at home will have a slight advantage. You know, Austin's going to be packed. He's going to have to deal with that crowd noise. I think that UCLA is going to have some trouble there, but I also think that UCLA is also going to have spurts of explosiveness on both offense and defense. So I think that this is going to be a really good game, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a fun one to watch it shake out. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, I'd be surprised if it was a blowout in either direction. Uh, but Oregon's 22-game win streak is on the line, and it's going to be a heck of a way for it to get tested. Um, this game, this episode is going to be dropping on Friday, so uh, we should be getting pretty close to game time by the time this one is uh, published and posted. Uh, before we get out of here, Josh, where can people find more of you and, and kind of you know, what work you have going on in the college football space? Yeah, so I my name right here is Josh underscore Parker04. You can follow me there on Twitter. You know, I'm part of the Duck Digest team, of course. I cover um, football to recruiting. You know, you could uh, follow me on Twitter. I'll post about anything related to that. If you need to get in touch with me, you know, just follow me. All right, you guys, make sure you tap in with Josh. He's been an awesome addition to our team. If you want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter. That name right there on your screen, at Sports. Do me a big favor, like, comment on the video, subscribe to the channel, Oregon Football Max Taurus. And the biggest way you can support us is by sharing the Ducks Dish podcast. Uh, it's been super fun to just continue growing the show. Hop on these, bring other bring various guests on. Uh, I had Spencer McLaughlin on earlier this week for setting the stage for this game. Check that out. Uh, so it should be a fun one. Uh, but that'll do it for us here on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Thanks to Josh for taking time to come on. Definitely going to have to have him back. And we will catch you guys in the next episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.